Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Came into the office an hour late for the third time in one week and found his boss, Mr. Epstein, waiting for him. And he wasn't happy. What's the story this time, Larry? Mr. Epstein asked sarcastically. Let's hear a good excuse for a change. Larry sighed. Mr. Epstein, everything went wrong this morning. My wife decided to drive me to the harbor. She got ready in ten minutes, but the ferry didn't turn up. Rather than let you down, Mr. Epstein, I swam across the river and ran over the mountain, borrowed a bicycle, and cycled 20 miles through fields to, to the office. You'll have to do better than that, Larry, said Mr. Epstein, disappointed. No woman can be ready in 10 minutes. <laughs> Excuses. It's one thing to make an excuse, but there's another thing to make an excuse when, it, when eternity is at stake. And as I said this morning, there are no justifiable or rational reasons for not accepting Christ. So everyone that doesn't, does so really, rather than having a reason, they make an excuse. We looked at three of those excuses this morning, and I want to look quickly this afternoon at three more. And these really are common excuses that you hear people make. And in us addressing these excuses, I hope that, number one, it will uh, strengthen your faith. Because when you hear other people give these excuses, as I said this morning, you, they, might, they might break away at your foundation and, and make you question whether or not you've done the right thing. And when you hear the answers to these excuses, hopefully it will strengthen your faith. And then the other aspect of this that I think is important is I want to equip you with rational, reasonable, uh, biblical answers to address these excuses. So we, have, we went through numbers 1, 2, and 3 this morning, this afternoon, numbers 4, 5, and 6. So excuse number 4, I'm not ready to commit to something that will require sacrifices. A lot of people think, you know, if I get saved, I'll be called to be a missionary in Africa where I'll have to live in a hut and eat bugs. They say, if I become a Christian, I'll have to give up all my friends. I'll have to give up all my fun. They, they really, a lot of them, really think that. Now, to be honest, it is true that Jesus does tell us that sacrifices will be required from his children. In Luke chapter 9, verse number 23, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Lord is acknowledging that as a follower of Christ, you may be called upon to make some sacrifices. 
But that should not deter you from following Christ. So when someone says, I'm not going there. You know, I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to make another sacrifice for anybody. How do you answer that? Well, let me give you some answers. Number one, think about this. Sacrifice for a great cause is a noble thing. It's a rewarding thing. (coughs) It is a satisfying thing. You take a sports team. We watch them play the game. But what we don't see is them getting up early in the morning, weightlifting, denying themselves certain foods because they know that would be bad for them. Running the wind sprints, running the stairs of the stadium. You know, we don't see that. Those are real sacrifices. And while other students are out goofing off, you know, because you've been at practice, you've got to hit the books. But what those other students that aren't willing to make those sacrifices don't get to do is be in the locker room holding that trophy up and just screaming and hooting and hollering because you've had the victory. Think about it. Sacrifices for a noble cause is rewarding. It is satisfying. To be able to make sacrifices for the cause of Christ, there's no downside to that. There's no bad side to that. That's nothing that should discourage us. In fact, number two, sacrifice for the cause of Christ is an honor. I mean, you know, to sacrifice your life because you were drunk and, you know, ran into a tree, you know, that's a terrible tragedy. But to sacrifice your life for your country, that's an honor. To make sacrifices for the cause of Christ, that's a greater honor. That's nothing that should deter us from following Christ. That should encourage us to follow Christ. Sacrifice to accomplish good, which following Christ is all about, is far better than lost people who sacrifice family, friends, marriage, children, health, finances, and a reputation in order to do wrong. They're the ones making the sacrifices. I see the lost people that their marriage ends and their children disappoint them and they involve themselves in activities that results in uh, uh, contacting disease or, you know, gambling away their money. And we're the ones making the sacrifice? Well, maybe we are, but the sacrifices aren't to be compared. Again, there's no logical argument for not following Christ. And number three, understand this, sacrifices as a Christian will ultimately be rewarded. The Lord has promised that. He will reward his children, especially those who sacrifice. I mean, let's say you live a life of debauchery and you sacrifice your health, you sacrifice your family. That only results in pain and suffering. But for a Christian to make some sacrifices that Christ might call call upon us to, to make those sacrifices, he's going to reward us. What does the Bible say? Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself, sacrifice, take up his cross, sacrifice, follow me, sacrifice. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life or sacrifice his life for my sake, the same shall save it. You'll be rewarded for it. So don't let anybody 
mess with your mind and make you think, well, as a Christian, I just got this burden. I got to sacrifice all the time. Let me tell you, they're making sacrifices. They're making sacrifices, perhaps of a different nature, but sacrifices nonetheless. When their lifestyle causes them to sacrifice their marriage or sacrifice their children or sacrifice their health or sacrifice their finances because they've gambled it away, the marriage because they've been unfaithful. Now, don't listen to that. That's not true. They'll try to back you into a corner and make you feel bad about yourself. Oh, man, I must be missing all the fun. No. I'm not ready to commit to something that will require sacrifices. Excuse number four. Excuse number five. I don't want to hand the leadership of my life over to God. I guarantee you that may be the number one reason or the number one excuse, I should say, as to why people will not get saved. In their mind, they're thinking, I want to call the shots. I want to live life my way, on my terms. I have my dreams, my goals, and my plans. And the last thing I want to do is to put somebody else in charge. Well, let's be honest, following Jesus will mean that you must submit yourself to him and to his leadership. But understand this. This is how we answer them. Number one, think about this. Every person lost or saved already has something or someone leading him. It's not a matter of whether you're going to yield to an influence in your life. The only question is, what influence are you going to yield to? We Christians have yielded to Christ leading our lives. But the unsaved, while they think they may be in control, truth of the matter is, it's either the flesh leading them, the world leading them, or Satan leading them. None of the three can be trusted. All of the three are going to lead you down a path of heartache and heartbreak. So to say, I'm going to be in charge of my life and nobody's going to tell me what to do. That simply is false. Whether you are saved or lost, something, someone is leading you. For us Christians, it's the Lord. For lost people, it's either their flesh, which is going to lead them down a path of destruction, or the world, which is going to lead them down a path of destruction, or Satan is going to lead them down the path of destruction. If you've got Only four choices, that being God leading you, flesh leading you, world leading you, or Satan leading you. That's a no-brainer as to which one is best. And those are the choices, and those are the only choices. So number one, every person lost or saved already has something or someone leading him. Number two, a proper understanding of God and his word has never led anyone astray or ever let anyone down. Why wouldn't you want to follow the Lord? I've never in my life or any account that I've ever read seen where the, saw where the Lord led someone astray or that the Lord let someone down. We may go astray. We may let the Lord down. But if you follow the Lord's leadership, he's a light unto your path. He's going to lead you in the right direction. But I've seen so many proud people that don't want to be a Christian say, no, I'm going to do it my way. I mean, you hear, you see so much drama and you hear of so, so many problems. 
A proper understanding of God and his word has never led anyone astray or never let anyone down. And number three, it is proven that those who yield to the leading of God experience happier and healthier lives. That's a fact. That, I mean, there, there are studies that show that Christians as a whole, and you can find some exceptions, individual exceptions, but as a whole, Christians are healthier, happier people. True Christians, I, I need to add that in. True Christians are happier, healthier people. You know, you've just got to be blinded by pride to come up with these excuses. You've got to be so walking in darkness that you can't see the truth that's right before you. So understand this. People that say, I don't want to hand the leadership of my life over to God, they're making a serious mistake, a serious miscalculation. They're they're using a a serious excuse. Uh, Let me share with you this story that I heard that illustrates this point. Guy writes, my son Ben is a trumpeter. Some years ago, after several years of trumpet lessons, he began to have lessons with one of Canada's top trumpeters. At the very first lesson, Mr. Odes said to Ben, Ben, your embouchure is totally wrong. You're going to have to learn a whole new technique. It'll be tough. But if you're going to get anywhere with your trumpet, this is what you have to do. Then he asked this question. Do you think Ben did it? Ben could have said, no way. You don't know what you're talking about. I'll do what's comfortable for me. I just got to be me. In fact, he didn't say that. Instead, he obeyed. He worked at what Mr. Odes had said unto him until it became second nature and he could move ahead in his playing. Why did he do that? Because Mr. Odes is such a great trumpet player and a great teacher. Now, did it undermine Ben's individuality and creativity? No way. In fact, it enabled him to develop his individuality and creativity way beyond what had been possible otherwise. Isn't that a beautiful illustration of what we're talking about? It illustrates it beautifully. It illustrates it perfectly. And yet we have family and friends that think the hardest thing and the worst thing they would ever do would be to submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ. When submitting to him simply means you got somebody at the controls that's far smarter than you are and loves you more than you can even imagine. What does the Bible say? For those people who think that Jesus is a hard taskmaster, that it would be difficult to yield to his leadership. Can I turn your attention to maybe the best-known passage in the Bible? The 23rd Psalm. For those that think that, oh, it would be so hard to turn your life over to the leadership of Christ, I would challenge them to read the 23rd Psalm. And there you get the truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art 
with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you pity people that you care about that cannot bring themselves to trust Christ as their Savior. If, if nothing else is evident, understand today that they are believing lies. The excuses that they are telling you or that they are telling themselves are nothing more than lies. Lies that will ruin their life. We know better. We need to appreciate that we know the truth and that we understand the blessedness of following Christ. And we need to be burdened for people that don't know the truth. Which brings us then to the last excuse that we'll examine today, excuse number six. I don't think I can keep up with the Christian life. Some people really believe that. There are people that won't come to church at your invitation, won't read their Bible at your encouragement because they really believe that. You know, those, those people down at the church house, they're all perfect, and I'm not perfect, and no way can I keep up with the Christian life. The way you're describing being a Christian sounds quite attractive to them, but very difficult. They say, you've told me people make, uh, might make fun of me, and I might be persecuted, and I've got to do what Jesus wants ahead of what I want, and you think that I should do this the rest of my life. That just sounds to them way too hard. How do we answer that? Well, number one, understand God never asks us to do anything that we're incapable of. He says that, Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We answer that by telling them God's not going to ever ask you to do anything that is too hard. The yoke that he puts on you, he says, is light. Secondly, we tell them God has promised to be with you every step of the way. He's going to be with you. You're not going to go through this alone. Hebrews 13:5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I mean, you only have the creator God of the universe with you. Everywhere you go, you're going to turn that down? How do you get bad deal out of that? What, what about that is a bad thing? Number three, how do we answer this? I don't, I don't think I can keep up with the Christian life. Well, understand this. God has given fantastic resources to help you. He's given you fantastic resources. It's not like, hey, I want you to go on this journey, and I'm not going to make it capable for you to go on this journey. No, what does he give us? Just to name four, the Holy Spirit. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He will guide you into all truth. And there's so many other verses that talk about the, the value and the benefit of the Holy Spirit. That comes with accepting Christ. The Bible. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
That's a huge help in living the Christian life. The church. First Timothy, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Being in church, preaching the word of God, you're not misled, you're not duped, you're not fooled, you're not tricked. And prayer. John fifteen seven. if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Be careful. You're around unsafe people often, and they will mention these excuses and state them oftentimes rather as fact, in which case your confidence in following Christ might be shaken. But understand that their arguments don't hold water. Remember these excuses that there are answers for each of them. Excuse number one, I don't want to be a part of a church that is morally bankrupt. You, you know the answer there now. Or number two, I don't want to hang around people, some of which can be difficult and, and even odd. Number three, I don't want to have to condemn others and come across as intolerant as an intolerant bigot. We have the answers to that. That simply isn't true. Number four, I'm not ready to commit to something that will require sacrifices. You're sacrificing in a very hard and difficult way. Why not sacrifice for something that is noble? I don't want to hand the leadership of my life over to God. God, the greatest leader, the most compassionate leader ever. I don't think I can keep up with the Christian life. He gives you all the tools and the resources you could ever want or need. Let me share this with you. I don't have it up on the screen. I'll just read it to you. And it asks the question, why should you become a Christian? Because the God who made you loves you more deeply than you can ever imagine. And that God longs for a friendship with you and a relationship with you. More than that, in that friendship, you will learn to live as God's child in God's world and God's way. And that is the greatest adventure that can ever befall a human being. It is what human beings were made for. So how can you know the friendship of God and become the person God longs for you to be? By deciding simply to become a follower of Jesus. Why Jesus? Because Jesus is this God come in the person to our world to rescue us, to guide us, and to teach us. And that brings us full circle back to Acts 26, verses 27 and 28. Remember this morning, Paul is standing before Agrippa. Paul gives his testimony. I was on my way to Damascus to persecute Christians, to shut them up, to put them in jail. When this great light came and knocked me down to the ground, and the Lord spoke to me. And he went on to tell Agrippa that Now my job is to share the gospel with people, to bring them out of darkness into light. And then in verse number 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost. These may be the saddest words in all of Scripture. Almost. He he come close. He's leaning in that direction. He should have run down from that throne down to Paul, got on his knees and held Paul's hands and said, Paul, show me how to be a Christian. 
I want, to, I want what you have. The change in your life is remarkable. I want what you have. But he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Coming close doesn't cut it. He had no doubt, it doesn't say it, but you've got to believe that there was some excuse. And it can only be an excuse. It cannot be a legitimate reason. There are no legitimate reasons for rejecting Christ. There are none. So that leaves us with excuses, illegitimate reasons. No doubt he believed a lie. And as far as we know, he's burning in hell today with never any hope of escape. That's the consequences. That's the seriousness of what we're talking about. Let our prayer be that with this information gathered from God's word today and your time spent in God's word today, that it will equip you with answers. You know, Brother Ken Ham, answers in Genesis. And that's what he says when you're talking to lost people. There are answers. We have answers. What we believe in is not just something we've concocted or made up. It's not fairy tale stuff. No, we have answers. And may you look for opportunity to confront the excuse believers with answers that we hope and pray will convict their hearts and turn them to Jesus Christ to know them as a Savior. There are, even in this rural area, There are multiple thousands of candidates around here that have believed lies, believed excuses. And there's a group here. There's lots of churches, but not all churches are on the same page. But I do know this church. There is a church here that has and knows the truth. And we can't can't count on anybody else to share that truth. We hope they do, pray that they do, but we don't know that. And we aren't responsible for them anyway. We're responsible for us. May we look for opportunities to share the truth of God's word and God's love with all those and praying that God will will do a work in their heart to turn them from believing lies and believing excuses to believing the truth. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.